We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the vault. It is Wednesday, April 5th here for a special live stream. Not so instant reaction edition of the podcast simulcasting and uh, just wanted to uh, dive into, of course, some takeaways and some analysis from uh, today's annual pre-draft press conference for the Ravens, which was conducted by John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta and director of player personnel, Joe Hortiz. As always, I'm Bobby Trossett. Thanks for being with us. Uh, on this this special bonus episode, if you're listening in the morning, this will take place of uh, Thursday, the sixth morning vault and uh, some great content coming out throughout this week too, going into the weekend uh, before Sarah comes back from Japan as well, which will be exciting. But I uh, recently had a chance to sit down with Emery Hunt, uh, the CEO of Football Game Plan. And we went through 10 specific wide receiver prospects that uh, the Ravens could potentially be targeting, not necessarily just at number 22 overall, but may end up being at, at any given point in the draft. So be on the lookout for that. There's going to be plenty of draft coverage coming up, sprinkled in with the ongoing uh, Lamar Jackson theater. So we'll begin there. And before I dive into takeaways and analysis, just wanted to thank two of our returning patrons here in the month of April for supporting us, for supporting the channel. And that is War uh, Lauren Wonderlick and Ken Buckner. So appreciate you both for uh, believing in what we're building here. And again, if you want to get involved and, and support what we're doing uh, through Patreon, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. Again, Sarah will be back from her two week getaway to Japan with her oldest son and husband within the ne next couple of days, I believe April 8th, she flies in. So very much looking forward to uh, getting her back involved. Okay. Again, annual pre-draft conference held by the Ravens fondly referred to as the liars luncheon, because obviously they're going to have their poker faces on when it comes to everything NFL draft related. So let's begin right off the top. Of course, you knew that Lamar related questions were going to be asked initially because we haven't heard from brass since, well, owners meetings, right? When Lamar decided to send out that tweet immediately as really simultaneously as John Harbaugh was sitting down to conduct his media session in, in Phoenix. So of course, right off the top, Lamar. Eric, um, it's been a week uh, since Lamar tweeted about 
having to trade a request and saying goodbye to the fans uh, with the Ravens. Have you had a chance to talk to him since? And what was the conversation like? And you know, when a player asks, let's say, if he wants to be traded, uh, do you, what's your confidence level of him being able to be in, be in playing this year uh, with the Ravens? Yeah, so those are, you know, I understand the need to ask those kind of questions. Uh, I think just out of respect for the process, this is a draft luncheon, and we're going to try to keep uh, as much of this discussion as we can to the draft, to the coming weeks, building the best football team we can build. Uh, so I understand those questions. I think we've spoken about this situation probably five different times this spring in various different press conferences and such. So we're going to try to just kind of defer to those questions and move forward to the draft. So again, that's the way the press conference began. And to me, that's totally fair. Jamison gets the first question. Eric makes it very clear why they're there. And and you move forward, right? Well, here's the thing. And again, uh, on, the, on this topic and every single topic we cover tonight, as it's been since Sarah left for her vacation, these are my opinions. They don't necessarily reflect that of hers, just so that we're abundantly clear. The problem is, is that so much of, how should I say this? So much of what the Ravens do in the draft hinges on Lamar Jackson. So some of these questions that were posed, whether it was quarterback related, whether it was wide receiver, whether it was Todd Munkin implementing him into the, the way they conduct business on a daily operation this offseason, you name it. Lamar sometimes has to be mentioned and where I take issue with the way specifically Ravens PR handled what I'm about to play is this question was posed with professionalism, with respect, and ultimately with the intention of asking a draft related question, but Lamar was Lamar's name was in it. And Lamar was a factor because Lamar is, an, is a factor in all of this. Anyway, here's the exchange. With respect to the, this being about the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey, guys. Are you, guys, are you all that, looking at quarterbacks? Alex, Alex, Alex. If you can, this is about the draft. Just move off the, the, the Lamar. Can I ask a question about the draft? About the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situations going on? So again, it was a quarterback related question for the draft. It was by all accounts, some of that was muted, by the way. That wasn't on my end. That was muted by the Ravens press conference team on the on the back end because obviously they didn't want that conversation, that exchange to be heard. Um, Alex is a local reporter. I I've haven't figured out who Alex is yet, to be honest with you. I've reached out to a couple people. Um, but I just respect the way that he went about it. And uh, I understand what PR is trying to do here. Ultimately, their job is to protect, whether it's front office members, whether it's players, whether it's whoever it is within the organization, their job is to protect them. And their job is to set them up for success when they're behind the microphone. I respect that. I acknowledge it. I recognize it. But the way in which that was handled, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't take kindly to it at all. If I were Alex, I'd be running hot. And um, I thought it was a totally fair question to ask. And again, wasn't the same exact question. It didn't it end up being asked anyway? It was a quarterback-related question. Lamar is a factor in potentially drafting a quarterback at some point with their just five total picks overall. 
again, I don't want to make this a bigger deal than it is, but it irked me at the time speaking for myself, not for Sarah. And I just wanted to, to come off the top because that was a big takeaway from today that a lot of people have been discussing. That wasn't the only thing that was discussed though. So let's now segue into uh, specifically the next hottest topic out there. And that is the wide receiver position. What we all can probably agree is one of, if not the biggest need when it comes to, you know, the Ravens offseason priorities, I think you could put it right in line with the cornerback position. And uh, John Harbaugh was asked about some of the traits that they're looking for potentially if they end up going after a, a wide receiver at 22 or really at any point in this year's draft. Jordan, you mentioned the, some of the characteristics you look for out of receivers. When it comes to some of the undersized receivers like Zay Flowers, you guys have drafted Hollywood in the past, but to some of these undersized receivers, what do you look for to know that their size can be something that translates at this level? Such a great question. You know, and like, and what does undersized mean? I mean, Zay, you know, Zay's, he may be kind of short. What is he, 5'9"? Yeah. But he's not small. Like, he's not a little guy. He can, this guy's a strong guy. Plus, he can accelerate. He's got great explosiveness. You know, Addison at USC, he's another guy. You know, you see, he's, you know, he's a small guy, but you watch his stride. He opens up his stride. This guy's like ability to control his body and his balance. Uh, for, for Marquise, it was that explosiveness that you saw and ability to track downfield. So, what, what, what's the trait? You know, what is the, what's their superpower? You know, so, yeah, if your superpower is not size, there's got to be one or two other superpowers that are going to make you know help you be successful in this league, and you try to look at that individual and say, okay, what what's going to be the key for him? What's going to be the trait that's going to make the difference? So, I don't think Zay is an undersized guy. He's off our board. I don't think Addison's off our board as a quote unquote undersized guy. You know, they've got superpowers that are going to make them successful. It's just what's the best fit in our offense, and are they there? You know, and who else is there at that time? And what's the best value too? Um, in this morning's vault, I covered Todd McShay's latest mock draft, and he's got the Ravens selecting a Quentin Johnson out of TCU at 22 overall. Well, you know, as EDC joked about earlier today, if Will Anderson, for whatever reason, slips to 22, they're probably going to fall on, they're going to live and die on that sword, right? When it comes to besting, uh, besting, when it comes to drafting best player available versus need, we've seen it time and time again. And honestly, it's, it's, it pay, it's paid dividends over the years in Baltimore Two that come to mind right away. Kyle Hamilton last year, who had a tremendous rookie year after a slow start. And then JK Dobbins from a couple of years ago after they're coming off, what the greatest single season, um, rushing year in the history of the NFL, they go and draft JK Dobbins in the second round. I think it was like around 55 overall or something. And I'm thinking to myself, Holy crap. Like they, they just, they just took a running back. So, you know, I know some of you out there certainly have your questions about their drafting philosophy, specifically when it comes to the wide receiver, but man, and their 27, 28 year history when it comes to, you know, uh, draft strategy, and, and ultimately, the production from that strategy, some pretty dang good outside of the wide receiver position. And I think we can probably all agree there. Now, the number of picks this year, I think as we've joked about in the past, is keeping EDC up at night. <laughs> Just five. What they have last year? 10 or 11, something like that. It was d definitely double digits. And they had like a murderer's row in the, in the, in the fourth round. I'll never forget it. I, I felt like we were... I was trying to put all these players together and, and put a, you know, analysis together. And it was insane. Every two minutes they were on the clock, but, uh, but specifically 
five is not much. And you wonder if, if Eric in the front office, based on how the, the, the draft and the board, you know, shakes out, will they trade back? Will they try to accumulate picks somehow? Because they really, really value the draft. And five is a small, small number. Uh, well, you know, like last year, you know, my strategy was I had to watch as many guys as I could because we had so many picks. Um, I still want to watch as many guys as I can, but I don't feel the tremendous anxiety knowing that we have six fourth-round picks. Um, our goal would be to add picks if we can at some point. Uh, in saying that, I, I think it's important that to, to note that we've had a lot of picks over the last four or five years. And uh, you get to a point where maybe having too many picks isn't necessarily the right thing in any given year. You almost have to have a purge at some point because you have all these young players on the team and they can't all make the team if you have just keep stacking these huge, massive draft classes. So I wouldn't say that it was intentional this year, but for us, like to say that our second round pick was Roquan Smith, I'm pretty happy with that, you know. Um, you know, uh, I'd like to get, you know, if we had five picks this year, if we only have five picks this year, I'd like to get back to nine or ten picks next year, for sure. But having a smaller amount of picks this year, based on what we've done in 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, that's not necessarily the worst thing. should mention, too, he mentioned Roquan Smith, obviously, and I think we all agree that was absolutely worth what they gave up, and it was a record-setting deal at his position, and he's the number one, you know, off-ball linebacker in terms of payment on an annual basis in the NFL, much deserved after the way that he transformed this defense, right? No question. Um, what comes to mind though, and I just didn't want to forget making note of this is the fact that uh, Patrick Queens fifth year option. He, he declined to comment on May 1st is the deadline to pick that up. And I think we can probably, I, I don't see it happening. They just don't have the funds to do it. And, um, Will PQ potentially be a post draft or maybe even they've made a lot of trades before on draft night. We've seen that last couple of years. Um, will he continue to be looked at as, as a valuable trade asset specifically with how he's handled his business this off season, stripping some of the Ravens logos or some of his posts or his, you know, bio related items on his social media platforms leads you to believe that, that perhaps could be nothing could also be something and you wonder if privately he's actually requested a trade himself you wonder everything happens a lot of this stuff happens privately and pq is pretty private so uh, anyway just wanted to make note of that because edc was asked specifically about it and again with may 1st approaching less than a month away uh, it's just relevant to bring that up so that was uh that was one topic of relevance as was the cornerback class which is deep it is a deep corner class and EDC talked about that earlier today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a strong position. Probably four or five guys that you look at and say, yeah, that's a first-round type of guy. That's a first-round pick. Maybe six guys. So, you know us, we have a history of drafting defense in the first round. Uh, we love corners. Uh, our defense is really built to succeed with a great, strong secondary. Um, Coach Arbaugh loves big, physical press-type guys. There's a lot of these type of guys in the draft. So for us to look at that, we think it's one of the most important positions on your football team, and it's a position that we'll always look at very closely. 
So a reminder that Marcus Peters remains available on the open market, unsigned, testing out free agency. Uh, Rocky Sin, who is somebody that the Ravens had in on a visit within the last month or so, also is still out in the free agent market. He's been linked to the Ravens for obvious reasons because they've had him on campus and 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 worked him out and whatnot. Uh, he is a free agent cornerback. You wonder if they pull the trigger on him at some point pre or post draft and then ultimately bolster that that position group even more by drafting one or perhaps Marcus is, is team friendly enough to come back on a short-term deal and they keep, you know, the, the, the duo and the combo that we all love that, that is, you know, Marlon and Marcus together for another year. But uh, you know, bottom line is last year, Marcus never quite looked himself in the aftermath of, of that torn ACL, which is a bummer because uh, prior to that, he had been a heck of a rock throughout his career. Joey Porter Jr., before we move on from the cornerback discussion, is a player who's generated some buzz. He, according to a lot of these draft prospect sheets and uh, uh, analysis charts and the experts out there, he is a top five cornerback. And he's the son of Joey Porter Sr., who's a Steelers legend former outside linebacker and Harbs, of course, was asked about what that would mean, bringing in a guy with some Pittsburgh blood. I mean, seeing Joey Porter Sr., a Ravens fan, I think that'd be that'd be great for all of us. We'd all enjoy that. Would he that. be, though? Well, he of course he be. would. He'd for your family first, man. I'm going to give him a call and I'm going to find out, you know, because <laughs> it would be good to know. I know for me it's family first. But um, Joey Porter Jr. is a heck of a player, you know, and it's not just him. I mean, there's a lot of good corners, like Eric said, guys that we'd be excited about, but – this, this dude knows how to play. I mean, I love the way he plays, his style. Um, yeah, he's, he's the Joey Porter senior version in a DB form. You know, he's got, got a great mentality. So we'll see what happens. 6'2", 198. Uh, according to PFF, he attacks receivers at the line of scrimmage the same way his father attacked offensive tackles. He had a career year this past fall, allowing only 143 yards in 10 games for Penn State. And we know Eric has... Plenty of connections to Penn State, not only from, you know, past draft classes, but his oldest daughter is at Penn State as well. Shout out to uh, to, to Mrs. EDC and the DaCosta family for the Penn State ties. We'll see if we can speak that into his existence because that dude is a baller. Uh, you know, when we talk about free agency and what the Ravens have and haven't done, I think we can probably all agree that it's been quiet. It has not been the splashy offseason that it was last year with Marcus Williams, right? That was sort of uncharacteristic for the Ravens, not necessarily to spend money on their secondary, but to spend money like they did in free agency. And they certainly did that by acquiring Marcus Williams. EDC, you could tell with this specific answer that I'm about to play for you, I think he had a little edge to him based on the way that this question was asked. Uh, he's heard the criticism. He's heard some of the the doubt about how quiet it's been and why that's been the case. And certainly a lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson's uncertain future, specifically at the wide receiver position. It's pretty difficult to one be cap strapped. And I know there's ways around that by restructuring deals and whatnot, but you're cap strapped and you also have an uncertain future at the quarterback position. And yet you're asking a guy who is what around 30 years old, right? Odell Beckham jr. I shouldn't say at the tail end of his career, but he's probably past his prime at this point, especially coming off the, the torn ACL. He'd probably tell you something different, uh, but when you're trying to lure in a guy like him, it's that's a hard pitch with those two things, cap issues 
and Lamar's future uncertain. So here's EDC on evaluating free agency as a whole so far over the course of the last few weeks since the new league year began. Not too much, not too bad, I would say. I mean, we've, we've signed a lot of free agents. They just had played for us in the past. We had a lot of guys we wanted back uh, is what it amounts to. And uh, guys that, you know, have played winning football for us. Um, you know, we've never been a big free agency team uh, prior to this year. We very much uh, pick and choose. It's based on a lot of different factors. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's a bigger picture team building uh, strategy that, that I believe in that goes back to Ozzy that John and Ozzy have developed over the years and Coach Billick and Ozzy and everything. It's just the way that we operate. And so for us, the draft will always be paramount. It'll always be our biggest and, and best way of improving our team for the long term, uh, you know, so that's what we believe in. Um, we're not done, as Ozzy has said a million times, the roster's not set till September. And we'll have a lot of different opportunities, pre-draft, post-draft, to build a strong football team. We'll take advantage of every single mechanism that we can. Free agency, undrafted, free agency trades, waiver wire pickups, whatever that might be, um, to build the best team we can. So this is just really the beginning, not the end. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And those exact sentiments were also uh, reiterated in what I think Mike Sando of The Athletic recently put out a piece, sort of the headliner there was the anonymous executive speaking about each team and 
Of course, that was what this morning's vault was on. If you haven't had a chance to go check that out, I believe it's number 230, 230 in the archives. Check that out. They had some anonymous execs had some, some, I would say some, uh, what's the right word for it? A little harsh. I'd say some, some harsh feedback for Lamar and put them in a box a little bit. So go check that out if you haven't already, but, uh, you know, uh, specifically Sando and, and his anonymous executive said that the Ravens, he thinks are going to sign two to three players after the draft. And that's just how they do business. So we'll see. EDC says they're not done. Perhaps they're not done and hopefully they aren't done because there is really still a lot more to accomplish. You know, one of the things that the Ravens have done well, I'd say in the last couple of years is bring in from a coaching staff standpoint, some unconventional hires. And what I mean by that is guys who are coming up the ranks differently than you would traditionally non-traditional hires like a Keith Williams to come in and help revamp your passing attack. He was Devonte Adams. And I think he still may even be Devonte Adams wide receivers, coach trainer in the off season. He's got a personal relationship with these, with, with these big name athletes and bringing these guys in, not only from a cachet standpoint, I think helps um, from a recruitment standpoint, but I just think it gives this, this fresh, um, look at the way that you're doing things from an organizational standpoint, specifically at a position where you know that there's need for an improvement. There's absolutely a need for improvement at wide receiver, top down. And so by bringing in a guy like Keith Williams, uh, and, and he's he's still with the organization, by the way, this year. So, you know, that that's exciting for him. That's exciting for these players. The reason why I bring it up is another hire of, of theirs this year, this offseason, was bringing in Dr. Rush, Chuck Smith, to coach some some pass rush in Baltimore. And Harbs was was asked about that hire. He's actually worked with a number of these guys already, you know, pr- pr- just professionally as a, as, a, as a pass rush trainer. So he knows their personalities. That's an advantage for us. We have a number of guys from college, Willie Taggart. You know, he's recruited a lot of these guys, knows a lot of these guys. So that's always an advantage for us, right? I know, Joe, you, you Todd, obviously. Has, uh, he's been around guys the last couple of years, especially at Georgia. But uh, Chuck, you know, Chuck's a pass rush coach, and he's also a football coach. I mean, he's going he's gonna to coach all aspects of it, continue to develop as a coach like we all do going forward. But the pass rush stuff, man, I really haven't come across anybody better, you know, over the last many number of years. He was here all the way back in 2008 working with our guys in training camp, and you don't forget that. So I know our guys are excited. Those young guys are excited to work with him and, He'll be, I think, you know, yeah, like you're saying, it'll be a big addition as far as the draft, but also really coaching our guys. Yeah, and again, uh, Eric DaCosta on, and this is according to Jeff Zerebic's tweet, on whether the team could still draft an edge rusher early after using a first rounder on Adafe Owe and a second rounder on David Ajabo in back-to-back seasons. EDC said, if Will Anderson is there, we're probably going to take him. And that's kind of what I was uh, suggesting earlier, that quote. So, again, Best player available strategy. That's something that they're willing to live and die by. And I respect it. I, I certainly respect it. But the reason why I bring it up, and I think it was one of my takeaways from the press conference, is I, I just give 
I give kudos to John Harbaugh for adapting, having a willingness to go uh, an unconventional way, a non-traditional hire in Chuck Smith to be his outside linebackers coach. He's got Keith Williams on the other side of the football, like I said, who's unique and has those relationships. And from a relatability standpoint, right? I think that's so it's so easy to overlook the importance of relatability, the importance of daily interactions with these guys who are, I'm 28, they're younger than me. All the wide receivers that, that are on their roster, it's a young group, right? All these guys are 22, 23, 24, 25. And I think what, what Keith Williams has shown specifically, and, and I hope Chuck is, is able to do this as well, is the ability to relate to these guys. And he has an understanding uh, for you know how to conduct business, how to go about shaping a wide receiver room and let's hope that those steps are taken throughout the course of this offseason um, to, to continue to build up and retool a room that needs as as much work and as much production as it can possibly get uh, over the next several months leading into training camp so uh, I thought I'd bring that up just because I don't know I, I I think it's important and um Having had a chance to interview Femi and I, Femi Ayambadejo, actually, we we interviewed Keith about a, about a year ago, and I just thought I just found him to be super insightful. Wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being, oh, who knows? Maybe he has more of an appreciation for you know one on one training and uh, you know that kind of interaction that he does, like being a coordinator one day. But he's got a great football mind, and I, I'm excited that he's in the Ravens organization because uh, he's somebody that not a lot of folks know about. Private guy, but Heck of a football mind. Okay, one more clip from Eric DaCosta before we get to uh, Drew Rosenhaus, who was on the Pat McAfee show, and uh, he had a lot to say about Lamar Jackson, actually. So we'll get to that in a second. But specifically, Eric was asked about the defensive linemen, being that there are could potentially be some needs there. There's no doubt. You know, I mean, we like the group we have now. Uh, they've played well, played well last year. I think they'll continue to play well, but we've also got to look at it from a you know short term, long term. What's the position going to look like? Uh, the strength of the draft class, and we think there's guys in the first three, four rounds that can come in um, and play well. And we've been fortunate; we've taken some mid round guys in the last few years, uh, the last four years that have played well for us. Uh, we're excited about that. Um, you know, Justin is a talented player. He's playing his best football. Broderick again, a guy that's maximized. His ability, one of the hardest workers we have on the team, plays multiple spots. Um, you know, uh, we, we just, we, you know, Travis is another guy. He's already, he's here every day, I think, working out. You know, we're excited about those guys. But it takes more than three or four guys to play and to win in the NFL. So, of course, we'll look at it. Uh, we'll assess those guys versus the field, and we'll see what we come up with. We all agree that some of those mid-round picks, those mid-round D linemen that he mentioned, we're really, they've showed to be tr tremendously valuable. And I think, you know, Broderick Washington really is at the top of that list. And, you know, hey, I'm excited to see what, what Travis is all about as well. Travis Jones, the UConn kid, that dude is a load. And I, I think, you know, especially with Calais Campbell now departing for Atlanta, there's going to be an opening for some of these guys in the middle part of that D-line uh, to showcase what they're about. So wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens use another mid-round pick on a defensive lineman this year, uh, but for the most part, you know, there's there's some opportunity for some guys to to really kind of um, you know showcase what they can do, and I think you know even increase their workload. You know, I think Broderick Washington, you know, comes to mind there, and um, you know 
certainly there's there's some flexibility at that position when you look at you know the Ravens depth it was tough to see Calais go no question but when you take a look at what he got I think it was nine up to, up to nine million in incentives this year in Atlanta I just don't think that's something that the Ravens were willing to do given their situation um, and given where he is at in his career now do I think he's worth that I think he's worth every penny because of what he does off the field and what he has left in the tank on the field but just not for where the Ravens are right now. It's unfortunate. Whenever you have a surefire Hall of Famer towards the end of his career, you hope that it's his last swan song will be with you. Uh, but it wasn't in the cards this year for Baltimore, unfortunately. And, and that's the, the tough reality there. Just to take a look at, at free agency as a whole, Kevin Ostriker put this tweet up. And um, before we get into Rosenhaus, just wanted to kind of review this quickly. Again, only one external ad, and that's Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver. So uh, it's been quiet, no question. It's been anything but quiet when it comes to guys who've earned other deals elsewhere, right? Ben Powers getting a great deal north of $52 million from Denver to go fill in for the Broncos and Sean Payton. It'll be exciting to see you know, what he's able to do, and what a great story, too. W was a bubble guy last year at training camp and he just priced himself right out of Baltimore. I'm happy for him and his family, Josh Oliver. He is gone as well. The tight end position, just too much depth at that position in Baltimore. Chuck Clark, of course, was traded for a seventh rounder. He's headed up to the jets. Perhaps he'll be practicing against uh, Aaron Rodgers at some point in the coming months. The aforementioned uh, big Calais, he's going to Atlanta and uh, Tristan Cologne is, is out of there as well. Because of course he was sort of a, um, multi-tool guy, right? He, he could play uh, several different positions up and down the line. Mostly when they called on him, it was in emergency situations at the center position. So good opportunity for him. And uh, that's basically, you know, the group of guys that they've lost. And then in terms of players that they've re-signed, so like internally, guys that they've kept around, Justice Hill at the running back slot, Nick Moore, long snapper, Geno Stone, safety, and uh, sort of a a versatile guy that provides great depth in the secondary Delshawn Phillips linebacker and uh, Trayvon Mullen cornerback, who I believe is actually somehow related to Lamar. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know how blood wise, but uh, I believe that's Lamar's cousin. So take that for what it's worth. That's been yes. An underwhelming 2023 free agent free agency. But as Eric has said, as that anonymous executive said in the athletic this week, there is still lots of time and don't be surprised if they start conducting business via trade either during the draft or post draft, because we all know that there are still moves out there that, uh, that need to be made in order to strengthen this roster. Okay. Before we finish up this, uh, this instant reaction live stream, Drew Rosenhaus, one of the most prominent agents in all of the NFL went on the Pat McAfee show today and was asked specifically about Lamar. And before I dive into this, I'm sure that you may find, I don't know, Drew to be sleazy or money hungry or arrogant or pompous or whatever, but just know you take a look at his track record, his resume, his experience in the NFL. It, it speaks for itself. This dude is one of the best, if not the best in the entire league. So here he is with Mac. I, I wish I was the agent for Lamar Jackson because he's a great football player, and I'm confident I could get a deal worked out for him. Pat, I think guaranteed contracts are amazing, um, and obviously as an agent, would love to see all contracts in the NFL 
fully guaranteed and be more consistent with what we see in Major League Baseball and the NBA. But I don't think you must have, let's say, a five-year fully guaranteed contract to make it work. What if you did four years fully guaranteed at signing and you had the final year guaranteed based on an injury guarantee or one that becomes fully guaranteed based on performance? There should be a compromise. I, as an agent, learned a long time ago, try to stay away from extremes. Deshaun Watson is a very good contract, but that doesn't mean in order to get a great deal, you have to have the exact deal that Deshaun Watson gets. Maybe you get more money overall than Deshaun Watson. Maybe you get more money than Deshaun Watson in the first year, the second year, the third year, and through four years, and maybe the fifth year isn't guaranteed, but you offset that guarantee by getting more money overall in the first four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's ways to get deals done is my point. And Lamar, like any player, has the right to represent himself as the 35-year veteran of this business. I'm confident I could get with the Ravens and their general manager, Eric DaCosta, and work out a deal with Eric. If not that, I'm confident that I could find another team to work out a suitable deal as a franchise player and try and set up a a deal for two first-round picks. Look, I'm confident, too. Again, look at his track record, right? But... Lamar has decided to take his own route. Uh, He and his camp have conducted business the way that they want to. And ultimately, you know, they've decided to decline this one shark's opportunity. I'm sure Drew isn't the only shark out there that's, uh, you know, reached out to Lamar in recent years, maybe even in recent months, trying to, um, you know, poach him or whatever and, and, and try and get, you know, hired. But, uh, you know, I get it too, right? Like probably taking a, what, 10, 15, 20% cut of these deals. So these guys make out pretty well, but they're also, it's a cutthroat business from a player agency standpoint. No doubt. Cutthroat, intense, high stakes, generational money's on the line here. Um, Anyway, here's more from Drew. In South Florida, right? Do you know Lamar? Have you ever reached out? How would that work? He would have to reach out to you. How, how, how would that whole thing? No, he doesn't have an agent. We, we've reached out um, a couple times. He has been expressed an interest in hiring us. I'm right in his backyard. <laughs> He's a South Florida guy. So am I. Lamar, if you watch this great show, thank you. consider this to be an invitation to hire me. We'll work it out. I'll get you signed, and you'll be a very happy man if you do. Hell yeah. There's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake here. You know, and the NFL has been doing business one particular way for a long time. You've been doing it for 35 years. You also know other situations. I'm not saying that Lamar won't be able to negotiate his own deal. I'm somebody that I've negotiated my own deals. Hundreds of millions of dollars I've negotiated my own deals. But there are some places where you're negotiating with, it's like, I'm not the right person to be representing me in this conversation. This might be one of them, and you are the perfect human to potentially get in there. Uh, so, again, just had a chance to catch up with some of the uh, live stream comments. I'm sorry for forgetting to mention, just didn't mean to. I just forgot to mention Justin Matabike when I was talking about the, the defensive line a few minutes ago. And obviously that dude, he's a beast. Mad a beast for sure. Uh, but wanted to share that those clips right there from Drew Rosenhaus because it was a part of a segment that he was, you know, he was on the Pat McAfee show. He was specifically talking about Lamar. And, you know, ultimately, look, yeah, Lamar's come this far at this point. I don't think he's going to change the way that he conducts business. I think he's too far dug in. 
I don't see him hiring an agent anytime soon. Uh, but ultimately, you'd like to think that at this point in time, probably even years ago at this point, uh, if a Drew Rosenhaus or really any other shark, any one of these player agents, the David Mulagetas of the world or whoever it is, uh, he would have been signed. And it would be a contract that would be life-changing. It would be generational kind of money. The Ravens would probably be, be happy with it at this point as well. And he would think that at that at that point in time, if it was drawn up correctly, that he would be, you know, okay, not from a fully guaranteed standpoint, but he would be the highest paid player in football on an annual basis. And he deserves that. You know, he certainly deserves that. Um, but, you know, they've, they've gone a different direction. And that's just what they're doing. You know, you got to respect it. So uh, ultimately, you know, you don't come across, I, I don't want to come across as, as condescending, even in the slightest bit. I'm more so trying to be constructive and trying to understand at this point what his main objective is uh, to ultimately, you know, um, get what his, what his worth is. Because I put that video together within the last couple of weeks on my personal channel uh, in terms of how, based on the negotiation strategies, based on the numbers, he will never make up what he's lost compared to his draft classmate. And maybe he doesn't care. Right. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to him in Josh Allen. Right. And, and from a monetary standpoint, the comparison there. And, and if it doesn't, awesome. But man, I keep coming back to what Lamar, the player, has told us time and time again. And specifically, he told LeBron James in that interview on the shop within the last couple of years that he aspires to be a billionaire. His actions don't necessarily back that up. So. I just think it's a fair thing. It's, it's not a condescending thing. It's a fair thing to ask, to wonder. We'll stick a pin in it on that one. Again, thank you for uh, popping in onto this live stream. If you're listening in audio only, go ahead and check out uh, everything that's been available on YouTube as well. If you don't already do so, we create daily content Monday through Friday. The Vault our podcast, our daily show covering the Ravens. If you're interested in donating to the show, you can do so through Patreon by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. If you don't want to do it um, through there, you don't like monthly installments or whatever, you can also donate through Venmo at Ravens vault podcast, anything and everything is appreciated. And again, a piece of content that I'm really excited about coming up, especially for you nitty gritty football fans Friday morning, uh, Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan, who Lamar actually retweeted within the last few weeks because he was trying to make the case that um, because of the offense that Lamar ran at Louisville from a pro-style standpoint, Lamar is going to be just fine under Todd Munkin. And, and, and Lamar quote-tweeted Emery. And so we talked about that in the video, but that wasn't what we actually discussed. We dissected and looked at 10 specific wide receiver prospects that the Ravens could be targeting. So we looked at film, we looked at measurements, we looked at overall traits, we looked at, um, you know, resumes. So it, it's like a 35, 40 minute sit down film room kind of video that I think you're going to enjoy. So be on the lookout for that. Sarah is back next week. Looking forward to getting her back into the fray and hearing all about her Japan trip. And of course, we're just a few weeks away from the start of the draft. So be on the lookout for some of our plans. If you're in town and you're going to opening day for the Orioles, it's been postponed. I'm sure you've probably already gotten a notice on that. It is now Friday, not Thursday. So Friday the 7th, I believe it's a three o'clock first pitch. And I'm going to be out there. It's going to be my first opening day. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So I uh, hope to see you out there. And if not, hope to see you at some point 
uh, throughout this offseason or if you're a baseball fan, we're right in the thick of it. So for Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this instant reaction live stream. Thanks so much for your support. And thanks for listening to us here inside the vault. Yeah.